0: Well, uh, mm-hmm. welcome to the Humans of Grappling podcast. Uh, we're here with Jimmy House. Thank you. Thanks You're for coming me. in. Yeah, of you course. you uh, came in on your your week here in Vegas, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. A shooting a bunch of cool shit with a lot of cool people. Thank so, you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so what? Uh, I mean, you, you'll you'll post all the content with like your the, your respective people mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, you recently talked about a move to Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. It yeah. Was- so April second is our move date. Where we're based oh, wow. in.
1: We're based in Phoenix, Arizona, okay. yeah. and I, you know, coming back here a few years ago is where I met you in mm-hmm. the morning class at 10 Planet. Right. Since then, a lot of different things have happened, but a lot sure. of different things has kind of led to me making the decision to continue everything I'm doing now, be it jiu-jitsu, lifting, pro wrestling, all that yeah. stuff in Texas, and Austin seems to be the best landing spot that gives me access to all of that. Oh, okay, awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, I um, actually went out to Austin... For my bachelor party last year, we oh, trained no with way. the B team and 10th and Austin. Yeah, it, we we got fucked up by Nikki Rod. Oh really? <laughs> was, yeah. yeah, he's a monster. He's yeah. one of the
1: the two best people I've ever rolled with in my life, and I've rolled yeah. with pretty much all of them except for Gordon. Yeah, would be Nikki Rod and then Big Dan. Oh yeah, yeah. those two right. as far as like pure dominance goes on uh-huh. me specifically, those are yeah. two of the top. That's
0: easily, well. for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. Crazy it's it's crazy how like yeah there's monsters out there yeah. like you, you think sure so. there there's always somebody bigger and stronger yeah and like and then, then i technical. made the decision shortly after that i'm like
1: yeah 88 kilograms we'll do that <laughs> <laughs>
0: we, we, we we want to limit to the yeah, size seriously. of these guys yeah right that's hilarious so um yeah since you've uh, i i know you uh had a knee injury recently you've mm-hmm. been rehabbing with um Uh, knees over toes kind of training. So I think, like, how's that been going?
1: Honestly, phenomenal. And today, shortly before I came here, I hit a bunch of new milestones in regards to the mobility I have in my knee again, the strength and and everything there. So yeah, basically prior to the knee injury, I had been really gung-ho on full range of motion training, knees Mm -hmm. over toes, ATG type stuff. And I've been doing a lot of that like mobility or strengthening and lengthening stuff for probably about a year, like consistently. Mm -hmm. And I got myself up to a pretty good point, like I did my first two Nordic curls, body weight unassisted, right, like the day before the knee injury happened. Oh wow! Um, I was doing like almost 200 pound weighted split squats and and all those different movements yeah. that that were progressing drastically. Right. Now, the day that it happened, and this is the thing I say when it comes to that stuff is that they talk about like bulletproofing your body. Yep. And a lot of people will take it as BS because it's like, oh, well, that doesn't mean you can't get injured, and it doesn't. But what it does mean is that you can mitigate the potential of injury or, or the potential outcome. Sure. So for me, basically what happened was I was training with my good friend Austin and he was getting ready for Nogi worlds. He's mm-hmm. the owner of a uh, soul BJJ in Phoenix. Oh, okay. And so we we're literally, it always happens on the last round. Oh, me. of course. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. And they have to announce it too. They have yeah. to literally say last round. And I go, uh, yeah. And then, and then it happens. Oh, like the last, yeah. <laughs> last times three times my knee has popped this but oh, because of that. No. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he, he, He pulled me in, made me step, good Uh, setup, went for an outside trip, Um, he came in a little high, like obviously you want to be down more towards the ankle, he came in to my knee, Mm. and so that, his body weight came in to the outside of my knee, and I believe that's when I fully tore my PCL, I felt a couple things go there, and then I kind of went with the pressure, then both of us came down at the same time Uh on on my knee falling, basically, yeah, uh. and so that's when my MCL went, and then... Somewhere in there, a partial tear in my ACL, and then fractured my femur. Jesus so a lot Christ. of different things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was ten weeks ago uh-huh. from today. Oh wow! So now today, coming out of that, doing like super heavy backward sleds, forward mm. sleds. Actually, I am better at ATG split squat now than I was prior to the injury, just Mm -hmm. as far as like mobility and range of motion. So that's good. The only thing I really have left to unlock is like being able to take a full shot, like Mm -hmm. penetration step. Um, so I'm basically, I put myself at like 85% healed right now and without surgery, obviously with those diagnosis, any doctor probably would have recommended surgery. Yeah. I kind of just put my trust in the training that I did prior. And then Mm -hmm. just the concept of Being able to rehab your body through most injuries, as long as you have the blueprint to do so. And I believe I did. So I just kind of put confidence and trust in what I knew. Yeah. Had a bunch of various mentors that helped me through that process. And then now 10 weeks removed, I think I'm probably about like six weeks from getting back on the mat. Seriously.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Thank you, that That is a crazy, like... I mean, yeah. I I know people who have, yeah, like had terrible knee injuries and like they... Yeah, had to get surgery. Like I've had to get surgery. I have mm. had to get me- meniscus-, meniscus surgery, mm. um, but that was like more like wear and tear. Whereas right. like okay. I probably can't like make the meniscus heal all that much. Yeah. but but yeah, no, that that makes sense. Like you're <clears throat> with the uh, backward sleds. Like I I have like a. Sled in the garage to to like to like drag and like that promotes blood flow and all that kind of stuff. So that yeah, I'm a believer. That's awesome. So
1: yeah, I think there's a bunch of different forms that are great for grappling. I think that's a great one to have as a foundation. Mm -hmm. For example, if that's like the only type of training you ever did, you you would benefit in a lot of different ways. I think a step past that, if you add certain powerlifting concepts, bodybuilding concepts, just strength and conditioning concepts, say from more of a sports performance standpoint, you can like advance your training even more. Mm -hmm. But Jiu-jitsu-wise, it is very beneficial to be strong in very compromised ranges of motion. For sure. You know, a lot of people that are in, like, basketball or football, they work with specific joint angles, and they do the majority of their volume through, say, like... 90 degrees and stuff like that mm-hmm. and conceptually it makes sense but also at the same time too i believe this type of training prepares you if you were ever taken to a point where you know your your shoulder is like not where it should be like mm-hmm. are you are you strong enough to deal with the potential tension and pressure on like a, a super fast arm bar or mm-hmm. or not and it could be the difference between again maybe 10 weeks sitting out mm-hmm. versus like an entire year
0: sure yeah definitely and, and it's like you're it's an aspect that like I think grapplers don't really or maybe the majority of grapplers don't really understand of like they think the best training for grappling is just grappling. Mm-hmm. They, they don't think about preparing their body outside mm-hmm. of that. And I mean, especially some particular uh, knees over toes things like the tib bar raises. Like, yeah, that's very like applicable to like butterflies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I feel like my hooks are so much stickier okay. b- because of that. Like um, what, what other things have you like seen in, in like I, I guess the. The combination of things like you've had you've done a lot of different training modalities like leading up to this mm-hmm. too right you've been training ever since you were five or so yeah right? yeah so i guess what um what are all the things that you like regularly do or that you cycle through or uh like do you do you do your own programming do you have somebody else do your programming what what makes it into your uh, Jimmy House workout?
1: Yeah, so basically I kind of – I do a bit of a collaboration between uh-huh. my my coach that's more on the powerlifting side of things. Uh-huh. He is the one that introduced me to the ATG style of training. And yeah. since then, I've just kind of taken it and ran with it for a bit of my own in a mm-hmm. sense that he's – he does it for his powerlifting and his durability there, mm-hmm. but now getting really deep into it, I've tried to take certain exercises and put a bit of a jujitsu twist on it or whatever, mm-hmm. just to appeal more to my audience, I guess. Sure. But with that said, uh, there's it's it's interesting because I've lifted for so long, so I've I've experimented with almost any training modality, maybe outside of like CrossFit and mm-hmm. Olympic weightlifting. Sure. But with that said, I'm at the point now to where realistically, like if I never got Any ounce stronger, or Mm -hmm. if I never put another pound of muscle on for the rest of my life, Mm jujitsu wise, I'd probably be just fine. Yeah, but now it's kind of a thing where I feel like I'm kind of um, polishing off, or Mm -hmm. or like coloring it, coloring the the lines per Uh se, where if I am able to target like, hey, like my hip flexor is very tight in this given position, like what mm-hmm. what accessory movements can we put in that will help with that? Mm-hmm. Hamstrings for me right now is is gonna be what I'm targeting the most. With the knee injury, the ACL partial tear, the hamstring right behind my right knee is a little bit tighter, tighter than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in general too, that's something that's always been a limiting factor of mine. Like for example, just flexibility-wise, I always wanna be able to do like the splits down the middle. Uh-huh hip flexor-wise, length, decent, but my hamstrings is what's preventing that. Now, when I started doing the Nordic curls, what I found in translation to grappling is I'm not the tallest guy, and Mm -hmm. my legs are relatively thick, so getting a body lock on somebody my size or bigger is few Mm -hmm. and far between. But when I started doing the Nordic curl training, what I found is that the strength that that adds in the joint angle where the tension's the most maximized Mm -hmm. actually had a huge carryover into my back control where... I used to not have any confidence doing back control on anyone bigger than like 185 pounds. Sure. But as soon as I started doing the Nordic curls three times a week, I started getting a lot of comments like how strong my hips are and how strong my hamstrings were and stuff Mm, like that. I had the, yeah, I had the conditioning to be able to like basically just mimic a body lock S type of control, but Mm -hmm. purely with the strength and the isometric squeeze of my hamstrings. Gotcha. Um, so that was a huge thing. So in regards to like grappling and and whatnot, I, I, I would always suggest like Nordic curl training would be huge. Yeah. Hip flexor training and just like strengthening your hips in any given direction most mm-hmm. people complain about back issues true and many off many times it's most likely because of the fact that the lower back is not even weak it's just taking the brunt of the load in most sure. positions so mm-hmm. hamstrings glutes and hips would be the main things that i would really focus on and that's what's helped me with a lot of my prior back issues or even like si issues in the past
0: mm-hmm. gotcha Definitely, and I'm a, I'm a huge believer in Nordic curls, too. Like, I have a, I do it with underneath a dumbbell rack in my garage. Oh, cool. So um, I, I've been working since, I don't know, since the pandemic. Like, I bought a bunch of weights That's for great. the garage, and um, I, I I haven't done a full Nordic curl yet or anything like that, but I'm still, like, working up to it. And I, I've seen, like, your progressions and regressions mm-hmm. on that, and I need to, like, start incorporating some of those because, yeah, you you have, like, different targets that you reach for, mm-hmm. right, like, with the different blocks and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So basically, I think the
1: best way once you're able to do it is to just take a very heavy band Mm -hmm. that allows you to get full extension of the leg and then Mm. work through that range of motion gradually. Mm -hmm. There is definitely benefit to say, doing your body weight in a partial range of motion. So basically the way I see it is most people aren't strong enough to do a full Nordic curl off the get go with their entire body weight. So you add something in like a very heavy resistance band that allows you to not necessarily use your hands to assist but you can just rest your body weight on that and that'll help kind of carry you through wherever your body can't mm. you do that i usually my training program with that would that be like three days a week two sets banded and then mm. two sets with the box with my body weight mm-hmm. so as i'm doing my entire body weight through range of motion with the band going all the way down all the way up i'm also tandem me that with the box so like as my true body weight strength increases with the mm-hmm. box getting lower mm-hmm. the band tension should be getting lighter to where like mm. the the two kind of meet in the middle mm. that's what okay. I found worked really well for me yeah. the last aspect of that is to be very uh, mindful of your overall volume so mm-hmm. I generally I keep my volume very low especially mm. if I'm doing it multiple times a week so sure. no more than like Four working sets. Each one might have anywhere from three to five reps. So I just keep it at that. And mm. whether or not I can do more, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as I'm like still striving for that full rep. Sure. So that's what's worked really well for me. And now coming out of the injury, I'm at the point now to where, with the band and a box, I'm almost all the way down. Uh-huh. And so once I can get down to that point, then I'll basically progress it again in the same fashion. And the and the good part is is that since I built the strength up prior to the injury, that mm-hmm. reference point is still there. Like mm-hmm. muscle memory is still there. Sure. So I doubt that it would take me two months to get to my body weight again. Right. It'll probably be at least like half that time, knowing my body, how it responds at least. That's cool.
0: Yeah. No, that's like strength is a skill that mm. like it takes time to work. Like I'm sure Mark Bell said that or whatever. Yeah. But like, uh, it's something that, yeah, grapplers like neglect a lot mm. of the times, right? Like it's, we, we just think oh just gotta roll more roll 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 but like we end up like overcompensating or like or m- making up compensations we're we're all like fucking rolly polies like, we're, yeah we're not we're not like opening up and we're not um, yeah testing ourselves at the different ranges of motion mm-hmm. like where we we need to be strong in like weird angles and shit like that yeah right? so yeah one thing that I've noticed with the um, Nordic hamstring curl is that it's now I know how to flex my hamstrings oh, and like cool. that helps me like finish some triangles that's a little awesome. easier. So it's like, it, it take, it just kind of blows up like a, I don't know, like an airbag and just cuts off yeah the, the, the side of their, their carotid. That's stuff. cool. But yeah. It's pretty dope. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend knees over toes for, for grapplers. Um, so did you, um, Talk so you had like some pretty intense workouts with the RP strength guys. So Mm -hmm. is that that they their is their brand like Team Full ROM or Mm -hmm. what? So. Is that, that seems to carry over with knees over toes. Pretty it does well, right? pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: basically the same thing. I guess yeah. the only, the only takeaway between the two is that they're more geared towards bodybuilding and uh-huh. mostly hypertrophy. Yeah. And then the knees over toes is going to be geared towards like mobilization and durability mm. and stuff like that. But with the concept being the same, yeah. you can kind of get a little bit of both. Yeah. For example, with all the knees over toes training that I've done, I've definitely have not lost any muscle. In fact, mm-hmm. I feel like I've added muscle in some lagging areas. hmm with the stuff that I did with them over the week, you basically take the ATG concept or full ROM concept, and you apply it to various bodybuilding movements: a barbell row, a lat pull down, a pull up, a dumbbell press. Mm-hmm. And so the good the good thing was, where I feel like a lot of times when they bring people on their channel, mm-hmm. those people probably have a bigger Transition than what I did, thankfully, just because Mm -hmm. in my own way, I was already training very similar to how they do. Sure. They have their critiques and stuff, and I took away a lot. Like, I'm actually really excited to go back home and apply what they taught me. Yeah. But for the most part, it wasn't a huge transition just because in my training for the last year, year and a half, I've been, like, super adamant on full range of motion, everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you get into the debate between full range of motion and then like 90 degree training and stuff like that. And mm. for the most part, I'm going to be more so on the side of like full range of motion for sure. nearly everything. There's mm. some things say, for example, like a deadlift where you, you can't not have a joint angle that's less than 90 deg- or more than 90 degrees or just about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like lifts like that are important for power and athleticism and such, but mostly the majority of my training is and geared towards that. Cause just Performance grappling, durability, but then also like acknowledging the fact that I do have I guess a little bit of a of a toe or so in the bodybuilding pool. Sure. I do want to continue building a physique and whatnot. And yeah. if, if we're talking about like building muscle, mm-hmm. especially like as a natural athlete, I believe doing full range of motion for your, the majority of your movements is gonna be one of the best things that you can do. So then that way I can go down a deep tangent with this, but let's say we're on a podcast. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's say like what I've seen is that there's a bunch of different ways to add muscle. Right. And you go to any like commercial gym and you'll see guys that are relatively muscular lifting with, partial range of motion or bouncing a barbell off their chest. And clearly you can add muscle in a bunch of different ways. But with that said, it doesn't necessarily mean that the way X person is doing it is super efficient. Mm -hmm. So now with that said, what I've seen is where you take maybe like your traditional bodybuilder more so like, partial range of motion, time under tension type stuff, which Mm -hmm. has its merit. Mm -hmm. But what I come to find is that when you do that style of training for the majority of your training, then you Mm -hmm. start to run into these essentially muscle imbalances between your short and long range strength. Mm -hmm. And even though the bodybuilder is not maybe concerned, say like a jujitsu person is with being strong in a weird position, the reason why that has diminishing returns is simply because you see videos all the time between bicep tears and pec Mm, tears and everything else. Like when you you see like a bodybuilder doing a heavy incline press and them tearing their pec, there's a few things going on there. Mm -hmm. Biggest thing is that at a certain point, once they have that specific load on them, there's short range strength, which they're probably used to doing maybe dumbbells like here to here yeah. at a certain point, they have selected a weight that was too much for their given muscle musculature and joints and ligaments. And they went maybe just a little bit too far. And then mm. that's when like something tends to go. I see. And so that's why like it, it, you kind of, in my opinion, set yourself up to have a shorter ceiling of potential just because. As you get stronger through that range of motion, the weight has to get heavier for the most part as you continue to increase, but then as the weight gets heavier, you also deal with the possibility of fatigue, poor form, or whatever mm-hmm. else, causing your general range of motion to go like an inch or so outside of that, and then mm-hmm. like something tears or pops or whatnot, right. whether it's a pec, a bicep, a quad, and that's why like I get tons of comments on my bicep curls, like, you're gonna fucking tear your bicep right. and blah, uh-huh. blah, 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 yeah. blah. And, and it's not that it's impossible. I'm not True. ignorant to the fact that injury is possible, but I also train full range of motion of my bicep like all the time. Right. So if we were talking percentages, I would be less likely to tear my bicep doing a full range of motion curl than the guy that does like half curls and then like goes a little bit too far down and then it goes. And yeah. I see that all the time too, like preacher curls and stuff. Most sure. people train preacher curls here to here. Yeah. And then fatigue or the weights a little bit too heavy they and they go all, a little bit too far uh-huh. and then that's when something yeah. pops. And right. so that th- those are like the common themes and what most people don't understand is like you see the video and you see somebody going heavy on incline or a curl or whatever yeah. and it just like more so blanketed a blanketed statement like, oh, you're going to tear your bicep doing that. And, sure. What you don't see is, you see the person, but you don't see, like, their training that led up to that point, you know. And and there's two types of people for the most part. Even when I get to my heaviest curl, I'm, like, staying there for, like, no more than two weeks. Then I very quickly back down. Mm. You know, let's say my max is, like, 80s with one arm on a preacher curl. I'm starting that program generally probably with, like, the 20s. Like, super, super high rep, condition the muscle, condition the tendons, and building that through, like, anywhere from 12 to sometimes 16 weeks to finally get to the eighties and finally show like, Hey, this is, this is, this has merit to it, but I don't, I don't stay there, nor do I think anybody needs to be doing a one rep max on the curl. But there's a lot of reasons why I do it. One, like Instagram Two, business, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, business wise. And and just to, just to prove like, Hey, like not everything is like verbatim, like, Oh, heavyweight equals terror. Like you can train your body to be prepared for stuff like that.
0: Right. Definitely. And well, you compete in curling too, mm-hmm. right? Like you, the strict curl right. with the uh, CT Fletcher and all that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so that's, that's awesome. a good point too, because I hadn't strict curled like on a wall since my last competition back in May. Mm-hmm. I'd just been doing my preacher curl, single arm, full I range see. of motion, just yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. And my, a couple of my friends are doing preach, uh, strict curl. And then I was like, Hmm, what do I can get? So then I did strict curl for the first time. And like half a year and mm-hmm. actually hit like a PR oh, after awesome. just doing the preacher curls and stuff like that. So yeah. I think, I think there is a lot of, uh, just backing behind that when it comes to the strength of the bicep. And I always, it's like kind of a joke, but it's also kind of not, I, I call it my arm bar defense. Oh, PRs, yeah. no, you know? yeah, definitely. And I can't tell you actually, uh, my role with Nicky rod outside yeah. of getting my ass kicked The yeah. the two like glimmers of success I had actually, he threw two really hard arm bars
0: uh-huh.
1: and I promise you, he was putting every bit of horsepower he had into my, to my arm, and I face yeah. and everything else. But, uh, like, the strength of my bicep, I think, was something that he was not expecting. I was able to actually buy myself enough time to escape both of his attempts. That's awesome. He later choked me out with, like, an arm triangle and a couple uh, mounted triangles. But mm-hmm. in those given arm bar attempts, like, yeah, like, I was actually able to hold this guy off. And my girlfriend was my witness. But, like, <laughs> and I remember coming out of that role, I went to her, I'm like, oh, my God. God, that, you know, like he wanted that armbar bad, yeah, and right. I was just flexing as hard as I could. so uh, you don't need to be as strong as I am in the curl, but doing curls with such effect does help, in my opinion, defend armbars by yourself a little bit extra time and even present or prevent like potential injury from happening. like I saw a video the other day of somebody hitting a flying arm bar just like jumping into it, and then they just took the arm out there. Right if you're the wrong person or, or, untrained person, this movement with all somebody's body weight taking you that way could very easily hurt or tear a bicep off the bone. Sure. So yeah. it, it's, it's one of those things where you won't realize you needed it until after the fact. But mm-hmm. like, if you take somebody like myself as proof, it's, it's worth like adding into your program to some degree. Yeah,
0: definitely. And having a better squeeze isn't too mm-hmm. bad either. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. How, how have you noticed like, well, I guess you haven't been trained jujitsu recently, but like since you've been doing more full range bicep curls, like how's your rear neck a choke squeeze versus previously, I guess.
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a good question. This is where I combine a full range of motion with mm-hmm. something uh, to the effect of, uh, over overcoming isometrics, uh-huh. meaning generally if I'm going to describe like a curl to mm-hmm. do to strengthen your rear naked choke is going to be like some form of hammer curl sure. for the most part, you know, yeah. with, with the hand going here like this, you're either doing like a cross body hammer curl, just like anything like this, just mm-hmm. strengthening the bicep, but the, the breaker radialis and all that good stuff, the form and whatnot. Um, the other thing to compliment with that, and this is something that I picked up from my friend, Josh Setledge, who's, who's like kind of known as like a jujitsu strength coach. Oh yeah. Um, he does a lot of overcoming and yielding isometric. So he takes the medicine ball, per arm, like one of the smaller, uh, softer ones, but, but basically he'll just do time holds in a mm-hmm. rear naked choke position, more more so like a, a short choke position, but For just sure. focusing focusing on the amount of power that he can force or produce into the ball. Mm-hmm. That way, like full range of motion here, you're developing strength through the full extension and flexion of the joint, but then also you're like increasing your given strength at this specific angle, and then on mm-hmm. top of that, building the conditioning to say, hold that squeeze for a little bit longer than you could had you not sure you know so and you know with like rear naked chokes especially in high level competition it's like that's the one where the person's ego can have a little bit more pull than maybe like a heel hook or anything else where it's like i can last this i can last so you'll have to like really like not only choke them but like hold it for a substantial amount of time most people at a high level will probably go out or go out, cl- cl- get close to going out before they actually tap versus yep. like a heel hook. If you're smart, you should probably exactly. tap. So right. you'll have to have the strength and muscular conditioning to be able to like finish most chokes there. So, yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That's dope. That That's that. That's kind of like, yeah. Why, I don't know that, why I'm enjoying <laughs> on this whole thing is like, because it's, this has been like two of my like passions for, for a long time. That's awesome. It's like I've uh, like, I started lifting because of football in high school Okay, and like, in wrestling like I at in high school too and mm. but but like marrying like okay what what are like specific things that we can do for jiu-jitsu um and yeah just all these like very specific like strength uh exercises i like ah shit dang it this is a alexa stop <laughs> okay there you got. think go. cool um so yeah that's um Yeah, that's really dope that you – yeah, you, you like, consider all these different things, like, when – yeah, designing your own training or – um, do you, do you like, you do programming for other people mm-hmm. too? And yeah.
1: So I do, do have my online coaching that I do and mm-hmm. then all and then I'm currently working on releasing our first like template program for anyone to buy. But for mm-hmm. the most part right now, I just have my online clients that I do the customized programming school.
0: And are your clients like just general population fitness or is it like jujitsu guys grappler? Like what, who's your typical client? I guess
1: I would say that maybe just a little bit more jujitsu strength clients, but uh-huh. it's it's relatively even mm-hmm. uh, from powerlifters or just like general fitness type people. Yeah. The the nice way about how I train is that regardless of what your goal is, I'd probably recommend something close to it anyways. Sure. Longevity, strength, building mm-hmm. muscle. Like a mm-hmm. lot of them, if you do it correctly, tie into one another. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are under the impression that, uh, yeah, like for example, like people will go to a bodybuilding coach to build mm-hmm. muscle and to build a physique and whatnot, because mm-hmm. me as a uh jujitsu powerlifting mobility guy wouldn't know how to do so, right? But right. at the same time I think more and more is coming out now. Not that it's new information, it's just more easily accessible where doing exercises in the full range of motion or doing mobility work, how that all plays a huge role in building a building a good physique, building strength and given lifts and just building performance in a given sport. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing there is like, I actually, I probably wouldn't do clients in bodybuilding that are like, on the other side of the spectrum, like untested, Mm -hmm. um, just because as a whole side of the world that I have no knowledge in, I just, I purposely choose to not be knowledgeable. Sure. But for like somebody like myself that competes in natural bodybuilding, that's something Mm -hmm. I a hundred percent would take on for sure. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really the same thing. I wouldn't have them do much else, maybe a little bit more volume, a little bit more isolation work, maybe a little bit less specific work. Like I wouldn't have them do all the exercises that I would for a jujitsu guy, but Mm -hmm. conceptually it's very similar
0: makes sense yeah i mean that that's your that's your perspective on the world like you're Mm -hmm. you're informed of okay this is how we train and here's like the framework that you've developed for yourself and developed for uh training other people it has i don't know probably a handful of like key exercises that you Mm -hmm. kind of prescribe most people and like because everyone needs to squat everybody needs to like lunge or whatever like these general kind of things that make up a, a healthy person, right? Right, right. Yeah.
1: yeah. I talked about this on the Phil, Phil DeRue's podcast where mm-hmm. the reason why I feel comfortable in dabbling in three or four different sports is though mm-hmm. sometimes people think it's impressive and I appreciate it, but, but I, I've been doing this for so long to yeah. where... Doing jujitsu, doing powerlifting, and doing bodybuilding are not too far away from each other because, sure. like, they all kind of benefit. Mm-hmm. Like the muscle that you're working to add on in bodybuilding has benefits in both powerlifting and jujitsu in sure. regards to physique, but also like strength application. Yeah, obviously, the powerlifting being the main strength sport has definitely applications in jujitsu. Yep, but also applications in bodybuilding, be able being able to build muscle in a different way, mm-hmm. and then jujitsu wise, as far as cardio, mobility, uh, being in good shape in general, that also bleeds into both. And I also find that mentally it's a good break from both. So, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to myself and the, and the clients, that's why I train most people somewhat similar with mm-hmm. a little bit of deviation, just yeah. because I don't see a huge cutoff between the three things as if they're like completely different. Right. Yeah.
0: They're it's all trying to optimize somebody like moving through space and making them more durable making them healthier. Like Mm -hmm. everybody, all all those three sports need like the same kind of basics. Right. 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 I
1: also from, even from a business perspective, if I'm coaching a powerlifter or a bodybuilder, it's like you could go to anybody and they can have you like do time under tension or partial range type reps, Mm -hmm. or you could go to any powerlifting coach and they can tell you to like uh, do a box squat or anything like that. I'd rather continue to separate myself. Mm from being successful in both sports, but also oh. having modalities in there that you normally wouldn't see from a traditional coach in the field sure. to, to prove that one, it can be done. And mm. two, like to continue prove my point and why I train the way I do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And you, you train, well, I mean, for you specifically, like you're, you're very explosive. Like you're, you just fucking get it there attack the weight. Like you, you're all your reps go like super fast. Thank so you. that's like, that, that, I mean, obviously, that's something you've, like, it, w- would you say that's a, like, you're your naturally fast twitch, or is that something you've developed over time, or is that a, I don't know, it, w- where, where does that come from? Yeah,
1: I know what you're talking about, yeah. so I would say definitely, like, some natural ability there, uh-huh. like, being in sports my whole life, and, yeah. and just lifting for a long, long time, naturally, you're going to add some explosion and athleticism, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. especially with a specific stimulus, like a deadlift or a squat. Yeah. But when I first started powerlifting after high school, there is two specific people, one guy for conventional, one guy for sumo, the guy for conventional, his name is Brett Chris, Chrisman. And then the guy Mm -hmm. for sumo's name is Ben Mm O'Brien. And I would basically, and they're both like mid 700 pullers at 198 or 220. Mm -hmm. And at the time, this was like almost unheard of, like six years ago. Now Uh it's like high schoolers, (laughs) but, um, but at the time, basically they had approached 405 or 495 and just explode through the floor and just rip that shit up. Like it was 135 pounds. And and I was like 18 at the time. So that was like mind blowing to me. Mm -hmm. And then, so with all my warm ups for deadlift or squat thereafter, I figured, okay, like, I'm just going to lift this as fast as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. The diminishing returns initially was like, I would sacrifice form to make the bar move faster, and then I would have less carryover to like weights that are closer to my one rep max. Since mm-hmm. then, I've I found a better combination between lifting weights explosively, mm-hmm. but not letting it sacrifice my form so much that it throws me off when I am actually going heavier. Because like mm-hmm. I would be able to move 405 really, really fast, yeah. but then if I got closer to my run rep max, be it like 700 or something like that, there'd be some type of form form breakdown that would it inevitably make me fail at the weight. Mm-hmm. So that's where that started. And now six, seven years removed from seeing those guys and practicing like that style of, of lifting. It's just kind of, I think something where over time, yeah, I've just built explosion, sorry, explosion through those specific movements, which I talked about it again when I did the Phil DeRue thing, like with a deadlift, if you took the joint angles of your hips and your shins and, and everything else there, and you kind of like staggered your stance a little bit and face somebody you're kind of in a wrestling stance for the most part and sure. so like there's yeah. there's some similar power and force production going on in a deadlift than there is in like a wrestling stance if you're shooting mm-hmm. i've always described deadlift as like a way to jump effectively so mm-hmm. i get in a stance that very similar to a stance that i would if i'm trying to jump super high mm-hmm. and then the only thing i have to do from there is connect my hands and drive my feet through the floor mm-hmm. so yeah. I would probably say that's a very long winded answer to your question, but I just saw these two guys that was around lifting weights super, super fast and it blew my mind. And I right. just wanted to basically do the same Yeah, because they were awesome. the best guys in Arizona at the time. So right. I figured if they're doing, I might as well do it too. For yeah. Sure.
0: yeah. No, I'm sure that's carried over tremendously for yeah your athletic career. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess even with your, uh, pro wrestling career, like since you've Uh, been adding, like, these mobility dimensions for, um, like, you probably have to do, like, jump off ropes and Mm -hmm. flips and uh, whatever, add some, like, new skills in terms of that, like, I'm sure that's being explosive helps there, too. Yeah, definitely.
1: I think that's when I started to really notice the knees over toes training kick in, because in Mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu, you don't necessarily need to be doing a whole lot of high jumping unless you're, like, Andy Varela or something like that. Right, Exactly. But when I started doing the pro wrestling and then I was doing like leapfrogs and, mm-hmm. and other moves, well actually a lot of the bumps you take you do have to actually fling yourself pretty high in the air. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. I was like, oh wow. Like, Cause I never do any really jump training like any vertical or broad jump type stuff. Sure. So any inches that I've added to my Jumping height has been solely from obviously the powerlifting, but also now getting into the knees over toes stuff, mm-hmm. the split squats, the the reverse squats for the hip flexors, the, mm-hmm. the Nordic curls and all that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, I can get some decent height on that. And that's one of the things my wrestling coach, uh, Don Vitale, pointed out when I first started with him was like, I can jump higher than most people. Mm-hmm. And with, like, the leapfrog, you're jumping over somebody as they run underneath you. And, like, one of the ways to kind of wow the audience is to do kind of like a cheerleader-esque type thing where your, uh, your okay. toes touch your hands. Uh-huh. So the added, like, adductor mobility that I had also played a role in that, too. So and I'm still very new to pro wrestling, so I'm sure there's other positions that I'll find. Sure. I know one of my... Clients actually online is one of AEW's like top tag team guys, oh, nice. Dante Martin. Mm-hmm. And he's super athletic, but he uh, he and I both kind of agreed like if somebody's coming to clothesline you and you're able to basically slide into a reverse Nordic, which is like mm-hmm. you going yep. backwards yep. Um, and bring yourself out of that, th- like that would look really cool. Yeah, Or like dodging some type of maneuver with like a split or something like that would look right. really cool. Yeah. I think, you know, for myself going into the pro wrestling world. I'm, you know, five, nine, six foot tall on a WWE roster. right? And <laughs> yeah. I, I got to find things to kind of, yeah, I got to find <laughs> things to kind of make up for that lack of hyper per se, whether it's my physique, yeah. my charisma, yeah, mobility that just kind of makes me, makes me stick out. You yeah, know, most definitely. people expect that from like the really tall, lightweight guys. But if mm-hmm. somebody that has some muscle on them can also do it, that's obviously something that helps too. So when I was training for the pro wrestling prior to the injury, that was like my main thing. I got to work really really hard and make up for my lack of height and hopefully with the attributes that I've accumulated it mm-hmm. does impress somebody of importance makes sense yeah
0: that yeah that's definitely uh, a, a I mean you're you're approaching it pro wrestling just like you've approached jujitsu just like you approach bodybuilding powerlifting, whatever like you you see what you what you need to add mm-hmm. like you you see like okay well like your your athleticism is great where where it's at but you you have to you want to add more to to be one of the best right so um yeah that's pretty dope to like have um yeah add an entire like training modality with the knees over toes to like make you more yeah add the wow factor Mm -hmm. add the um the hype factor and i mean especially with um yeah jujitsu becoming more like wrestle jitsu Mm -hmm. like the explosiveness the um the power from standing like that's even more um e- even more important nowadays yeah. anyway too right and it's funny how it's
1: <clears throat> how it's been literally maybe like a two-year transformation in the jujitsu world as yeah. far as like how predominant it is now it's almost like when you think about jujitsu, jitsu your thoughts kind of change mm-hmm. like for example jiu-jitsu when i first started you think about like yeah like guard and stuff like that mm-hmm. But now it's kind of like transition. Now you think about like your, your wrestling and like mm-hmm. you know, high level hand fighting and stuff like that. Right. People like Nikki Rod obviously are a huge reason for that yep. as far as the transition there because mm-hmm. he showed, for one, it's possible. And then for mm-hmm. two, how successful that you can be with that given skill set. I remember actually my first ADCC trials. 2018 19 one of the two it was the one that he won that kind of set him off gotcha i was one match away from going against him actually and i wish i i lost against uh casey hellenberg which was like the returning uh trials champ from the the time prior oh wow and i lost by uh five or seven points one of the two and Mm -hmm. then he went on to go against nicky rod nicky rod beat him i would have inevitably lost against nicky rod too but i would have loved the opportunity (laughs) to be like a part of his like uh, story really a story yeah. to the top uh, essentially sure. yeah um, I do think though that my match with him at the time would have been a little bit more interesting simply because I would have elected to wrestle with him sure. versus everyone else pulled right away but uh-huh. But, yeah, I was, like, one match away from going against him. And I remember, like, hearing about him a little bit for a while. Like, sure. uh, I was studying the East Coast Trials footage, and I saw, like, this Nikki Rod guy. I'm like, hmm, that guy looks pretty good, and he's only right. a blue belt, like, yeah. all, all this stuff. Uh-huh. And then and then I was like, oh, damn, I get a chance to go against him. And then in my head, I'm like, okay, okay, we can do this. Like, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good match. Let's go, let's go. And then after that, it just explodes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, right. he's better than I thought. But what I, <laughs> uh-huh. but what I did notice, too, from his East Coast Trials the first time to his West Coast Trials where he was, like, really dedicated with the Danaher desk squad like mm-hmm. like something happened in that five month time frame where he, his skill just exploded through the roof like to, to be able to get to John Hanson's back and like finish in the rear naked choke within a matter of like a minute or two like that's mm-hmm. that's mind-blowing to me because right. John Hansen obviously is like one of the best heavyweights in the world he's sure. he's beaten my good friend Austin Baker plenty of times and my, I consider Austin Baker to be one of the best in the world and mm-hmm. And the fact that Nicky Rogers car wheels over the top and puts him in a rear naked choke, like uh-huh. as a blue belt of eight months, that was, that's still mind blowing to me. But, yeah. you know, and so I, I rolled with Nicky about two or three weeks out from ADCC. I also went to B team. I went mm-hmm. to Austin to train with B team. I trained with new way for a little bit mm-hmm. and I got to roll with a lot of those guys, like during the miss ADCC camp. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, Nicky losing to a couple of guys on WNO, and and I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm. I'm like, I feel like he's like better than this. Yeah. And then I went to train with him at B team and I was like, yeah, he's definitely better than what I, <laughs> and, I and maybe it was just yeah. like the stipulation, the match or something. He didn't perform well that night, uh-huh. but then I saw him ADCC and I saw him beat like Pena and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's about as good as I thought he felt too. So right. I'm like, I, I felt pretty good watching ADCC. Cause uh-huh. like, after going against Nicky Rod, uh, I was like, dude, do I suck? Like, I thought I was, like, better than this. But, um, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm like, yeah, no, he's, like, legitimately the second best guy in the world. And, obviously, exactly. after uh, Matt and I actually went to the UFC Fight Pass event and oh, the first row. Yeah. So, we saw the whole Nicky Rod, Gordon Ryan thing. That's and, awesome. uh, obviously, he made a bunch of connections, or not connections, corrections from his first match with him. Sure. So, he's closing the gap. And it's, it's been cool to just kind of witness yeah. uh, him, his come up. I, I didn't anticipate a whole Nicky Rod <laughs> <laughs> ramble right. there, but yeah. <laughs> no,
0: no I, I'm I'm down with like Nicky Rod. Like he he claims Natty, so it's like I, I'm down with and it. Like, so
1: so I like to touch on that sure. because clearly, like I'm a liar too. on my status. <laughs> yeah. Looking at Nicky Rod, I can't I can't speak because I haven't done my research prior to him breaking through Jujitsu. Sure. Uh-huh. But what I can say from when I first saw him four four years ago now uh-huh. to where he is now. Like, if he was running as many as much copious amounts of gear as everyone says, like, you would uh, see, like, a drastic change in his physique or, sure. or or anything else. Like, for the most part, like, his body composition is the same. You don't see any drastic changes, be it in his skin or, or his water retention or anything mm, like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know a whole lot about gear, and I choose yeah. not to, but I've been sure. around the community enough to be able to spot on most people. Sure. So that's why for me, I actually do believe that he is natural simply yeah. because, like, if you study his uh, progress from uh-huh. the last few years, there's no drastic sure. change there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily completely nullify it for anybody, but sure. for him specifically, I'm going to go with the side of, like, yes. Yeah. There's, like, a specific look to it that, mm-hmm. like, I'm not even going to dive into because it's just going <laughs> to backfire on me. But, like, I right. don't think he feels... I just think he's a freak athlete, to yeah, be honest with you. Definitely. Like
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I when I trained with him, he was like, okay, he's like, I don't know, maybe ten percent stronger than me, or twenty, like, mm-hmm. m- like a little bit more explosive, a little bit more like mm-hmm. just, just panther like. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> it, this isn't like otherworldly. This mm-hmm. isn't like, it, I don't know, just it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. I, I guess like, I mean, ten percent more. That that's whatever. He's second best in mm-hmm. the world. Like that, that. That's a lot. But it wasn't like it wasn't like I was being dominated by an alien or a robot or like, you yeah know, like just you. a fucking machine mm-hmm. with whatever crazy strength and muscle. So yeah, no, I told, I, I believe him in mm-hmm. the, the Natty story too. Yeah, it's like he's, it, it's, it, his look is very achievable with somebody who with inc- incredible genetics. Right. Yes. So.
1: And what my clothing closing thoughts on that is yeah. that, the way the fitness industry now kind of bleeds in the jujitsu community is now it's like so many people are open about it, which is great because you also don't want to give people the false idea of what they can achieve or Mm -hmm. like they don't want, you don't want to like put people under the impression that you can do what they're doing without it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then it backfires on somebody like myself that genuinely Mm -hmm. is drug free. Sure. Where I'm sitting here, I'm like, yes, I'm drug free. And if I wasn't, I would tell everybody, but I actually am. And people are like, why don't you just admit it, bro? People talk about it all the time. It's like, I would love to if I actually did it, but right. like I don't, so yeah. like I don't know what you want me to do. It's like, sure. I, I guess if I lie about it just to please people, then maybe I'll start... Uh-huh. But uh, it's that's kind of like the thing to where, like, for him, and obviously he's on a much bigger scale than I am, so he probably gives it much, much more. Sure. But uh, it, I would like to use the platform to speak my mind on the subject because I personally believe he is. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes on to myself. Like, you don't see a drastic change in mm-hmm. my physique unless I go on a mega bulk where I just get fat. <laughs> right. That's a different thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but as far as, like, lean muscle mass goes, my, my journey from, like, when I was 16 Uh, Stepping on stage at like 180, 185 pounds. Mm and now being 10 years removed from that. uh, Floating around 200 at about 10%. Like maybe like 10 to 15 pounds of lean mass over the last 10 years. Which... Mm -hmm. It's good as a natural, but it's right. also nothing like out of this world either. Sure. So my, yeah. my main argument when people accuse me, is like, okay, so I was this big when I was 16. So like, unless I've been like running gear since I was nine, I think like <laughs> there's some legitimate gradual progression there. But right. people are much quicker to accuse than they are to spend the time to actually like get their facts straight. So. Sure. That's my talk to the world. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no worries. And, and did you uh, come in as a lightweight or a heavyweight today? I know you just went Oh, I did, know. I know. That's funny. You just ate some sushi. So. Oh, I definitely, I'm
1: definitely over 200 pounds oh, okay. Usually, All so right. like with trips like this where I'm recording with somebody, uh-huh. I try to be very strict the first few days. Uh huh and then traveling kicks in and and granted it is better than like say eating three burgers but it just like right. stuff like a 100 pieces of sushi down the hatch and sometimes you got to do it i know <laughs> like yeah i'll get back to arizona i'll I'll get it off but i'm probably right. like 205 206 right now oh okay gotcha what he's referencing is a tiktok video that somebody tagged me in uh where some guy was like it's like all these people giving advice and they weigh under 200 pounds. like right. don't listen to them and i was like so I wake up in the morning over two hundred. So apparently I'm like worth listening to, and then right. I take a shit, and then all of a sudden everything goes out the window.
0: <laughs> Just, you know nothing. Yeah, you know. I know. It's like, damn it. It's right. hilarious. Um, what? Let's see. So we talked to yeah a lot about wrestling, Nikki Rod, and things like that. So you developed your jujitsu style. Like, did you wrestle in high school? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I wrestled I all four
1: years of high school varsity. Um, nice. I ended my. I came into my senior year number one in the state of Arizona mm-hmm. and for the most part throughout my senior year I was bouncing back between like one and two mm-hmm. uh, between myself and the returning state champ nice. from Sunnyside, the same school that Romo, Roman Bravo Young went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my senior year right before state I got a back concussion, I couldn't wrestle oh, in state. Uh, yeah, gotcha. So that was like my main passion through high school mm-hmm. and then went straight into powerlifting, just kind of like wanting to do something else mm-hmm. after getting injured. I. Just had a little bit of a i wasn't very motivated sure. to be wrestling again but yeah. took it into powerlifting and powerlifting was fun until i gained 70 pounds and got it to 270 i'm like oh i'm kind of fat and unathletic and unappealing to the opposite sex so then i decided to lose yeah. <laughs> lose uh, the weight by starting jujitsu uh-huh. and that's that's been my thing since and i've always looked at jujitsu jiu- at as like my second chance when sure. i when i couldn't wrestle in state my senior year having high goals that definitely was a huge hit mm-hmm. it's hard to handle at the time yeah but i stepped back on the jujitsu mat and i was like oh this is i think this is like my second chance and i think in a lot of ways i've taken full advantage of that and now going to austin having the chance to train with some of the best people in the world it's like would you rather be the state champion in high school that everyone forgets about or you want to like continue to advance your grappling and do something
0: special so yeah.
1: i i like the place that i'm in right now Definitely. For sure
0: yeah that's awesome and i, I- i'm right there with you because i uh broke my hand senior year second oh, match really? of senior year wrestling like i posted on the mat and like i i don't know for whatever reason i put my fists on the mat mm. instead of palm and yeah i had similar like i wanted to get to state i wanted to like i, I um uh wrestled in california so it was wow. like it was uh I, my, it was just my dream to like even like get to the state championship yeah, no like the state tournament and yeah. um But yeah, I couldn't. So I was like, yeah, when I found jujitsu, I was like, oh, this, yeah, this is, yeah, second chance. This is a a way to like continue to um, compete and progress. And it's not like wrestling doesn't just end in high school. Mm -hmm. Like like wrestling, uh, I mean, wrestling, if you're not like on a college team or whatever, it it basically ends when you're in high school. Yeah. But jujitsu kind of, it's this weird thing that adults like get up and, whatever like they they all agree to like meet at with this one place and <laughs> yeah. kill each other like yeah. after work i know whatever. right yeah right. Right. so it, it's um i'm yeah i'm super glad that i i heard about it in high school but i thought it was like super barbaric mm-hmm. like dudes put me in a, a straight ankle lock and like a guillotine and a uh, rear naked choke and i just was like oh this is so like I don't know, like so rough or mm-hmm. whatever, but I was wrestling too. It was like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not easy, <laughs> but, but putting in submissions, like that was, uh, foreign to me at first, but like now it's like I get up and do it every day at 6am. So right. it, it's, it's a deeply meaningful part of my life. And I'm, I'm sure it is to you mm-hmm. too. Like yeah, since you since you've been training, you've competed at a high level as well. So, um, yeah, that, that's awesome that you're, um, future direction in jujitsu. Like your 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 future move, your 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 plan move is influenced by jiu jitsu, <laughs> what what yeah, jiu jitsu really is, is So I,
1: awesome. I've been a homebody in Arizona pretty much my whole life. I've uh-huh. been born and raised there. Yeah. So when we made the decision to move there, you know, there there had to be a lot of pieces in place. Like sure. I, I wouldn't move there to be honest just for jujitsu and I wouldn't move there just because Goldberg lives there and I wouldn't uh-huh. it had to be like a bunch of different mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm when I took the trip over there a few months ago, there's just kind of something about after experiencing it and seeing all the things that I could do, mm-hmm. um, where I was like, yeah, because when I got my black belt about a year ago now, I, I knew that I was gonna relocate within the year. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know when or where, mm-hmm. and I've been traveling all year round, so I've seen a lot of different parts of the country, mm-hmm. and I and that was like the place for me specifically, mm-hmm. where my room for growth and the room for connections, and and through my passions, the the ability to get better and train with the best, yeah, that was all accumulated into the decision. Like, okay, yeah, Austin, Texas seems to be the most sensible place to actually relocate and continue to right. advance. Yeah, essentially,
0: yeah, definitely. And as someone who relocated from, I lived in the Bay Area for my whole, like, basically my my whole like uh, adult life or whatever. Like, I grew up there and then like uh, worked there and relocated out here in mm. Las Vegas. So, uh, about five years ago now. So that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's good to like get out of the place that you grew up in because mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's just a different scenery. There's different I actually, to do. I was
1: talking to Tim earlier. Uh, if it wasn't for Texas, mm-hmm. I'd probably consider honestly Vegas to be up there. Like yeah. I wouldn't be much for the strip and the party life at all. Sure. Yeah. If, every time we stay out there, we stay at the best Western, like much <laughs> outside of that. Yeah. But, uh, as far as like, lifting and jiu-jitsu like yeah. you know there's a lot of stuff out here that you know i think arizona in some ways is like a step or two behind mm. un- unfortunately like and mm-hmm. in, in not in a bad way just in, just like it's a very spread out community sure. and i think where other states were very honed in on certain things a little bit sooner than arizona re- was like i think mm. arizona is on the come up sure but i think there's places like vegas and austin and, and california obviously florida yeah that has a lot of growth essentially. And that's the biggest thing for me is that I'm kind of like entering what I would consider a peak that hopefully lasts for the next like six or seven years. But with that said, I do want to put myself in a position to where I'm around people that can help me maximize like my investment into myself in that way. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And, um, being just having that purpose behind the move of like you you are leaving like your your family your friends like mm-hmm. uh, like you're you're leaving your hometown and you're going on a new adventure mm-hmm. somewhere else and I think there's something like very like uh, symbolic about that too like that that's how I felt like coming out here is mm-hmm. like I came out here with my my now wife at the time my girlfriend and it was just like we didn't know anybody out here mm-hmm. we didn't. Um, we didn't really know or like I I knew that there was a lot of jiu here like right. that, that helped influence the yeah. move But I didn't know where I was gonna train. I didn't have like any yeah connections here or whatever so it, it was it, It's a good like challenge just as a person d personal development wise Of like you you figure out more about who you are mm-hmm. like Being away from like people who have like influenced you your whole life, right? So yeah,
1: that's yeah. awesome, man. Thank yeah. you yeah.
0: So yeah. No, I'm excited to see what what you do out there in Austin. I appreciate. And, it. Um, yeah. So if people wanted to get to get in contact with you for like online coaching, your mm-hmm. coaching programs, and things like that, where they can can they find you?
1: Yeah. So the two best places would be on my Instagram. I have a link tree. You can go mm-hmm. to the specific link that'll take you to a online. Question Mm -hmm. and answer form. Basically, you can fill all your stuff. That's an application, or you can go straight to my website at www.jimmyhouse.com, and and you'll also see the link to apply on there as well.
0: Cool, awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, it was was an honor. Yeah, likewise, bro. Thank you. Thank you.